0: And it was hot and dusty and the sun was beating down and it smelled bad because there's all these people around and they weren't the most hygienic. And so there was just that smell of just human filth and river and earth and heat. As they sat at the river, they heard this man who was yelling. And it was this weird yelling that he was in the middle of the river. It sounds like it's like a maniac out there. Crowd comes in a little bit closer to here, yelling at the top of his voice, you have to repent. You must repent. You have to stop sinning. And he's yelling out these people, mostly Jewish, sitting in this crowd. And snickers are there. These people are kind of giggling to themselves. So you hear a murmur in the crowd. It's hot, it's sweaty, and this guy's out here yelling at us. And there's murmur, but some people start to walk forward. People move towards this man, and he's saying this, you have to repent because the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is coming, and you have to change the way that you're living. Speaking to a mostly Jewish crowd, John the Baptist was speaking a message to a group of people that believed that because they're Jewish, everything was right with God. They believed simply because of their heritage and their culture, and just because they were born Jewish and do Jewish things, that everything is great and they can go through some cleansing rituals and they'll be good but john had this other message john is yelling at the top of his lungs like i am today you must repent you have to turn from your life of sin who will turn from their life of sin and imagine this crowd as their sins a man walks forward and they kind of part ways because this man is someone they've heard of before this man walks forward and they start to murmur, Isn't that Jesus of Nazareth? Isn't that that guy who's the carpenter's son? And he's been like learning a lot. And we heard some things that he was saying at different places. Like, is that that guy? And so the murmurs start. And then Jesus walks forward. Jesus from the small town of Nazareth, this nobody, walks forward in this crowd of people who are snickering and it's hot. And Jesus comes and says, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 16. He didn't say that, but I'm telling you now to do it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 16. We start to move into this picture of what is happening with John the Baptist and Jesus at this time. In verses three or chapter 3, verses 13 through 16, we'll see Jesus getting baptized. It says this, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you, do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this and all, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw a spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So Jesus walks up through the crowd, coming out of the crowd to be baptized by John. And John's like, no way. There's no way I'm baptizing you. You need to baptize me. So imagine this kind of conversation. As John now walks, this man Jesus walks up to him, he's recognized. this is, This is not someone who's repenting. This is, is this Messiah? We find out in later texts, actually, that John was still trying to figure out, was he the chosen one? But something recognized for him there that this is, I need to be baptized. This man is holier than I am. Who am I to baptize you? And so he comes up he's like, there's no way. Now, I like to create all of my Bible stories in movies because I'm a movie buff. So let's just put this into a movie, Okay. This would be an aside. He takes Jesus aside like, hey, crowd, just a second. Bro, there's no way I'm baptizing you. There's no way. And Jesus like, you have to. I can't. I can't baptize you. Who am I to baptize you? He says, John, it's okay. This is supposed to happen. Baptize me. It's okay. Like, you're sure? Like, dad is not going to drop, like, fire on my head or something, right? (laughs) Like, can you imagine what John's thought process was as he walks forward? No, he's not... He's trying to understand, but he was called to pave a way for Messiah. That's all that he knew. His job was to pave a way for Messiah. And what's really awesome about this is we take these two characters in our crowd sitting at this riverbed, the Jordan, and we go back to understand what is really happening. In Jewish culture, when they immerse people into a small pool of water, it's called a mikvah. Mikvah were these small pools of water and in Jewish custom, before they could come to temple, before they would be able to be ceremonially clean, they'd have to go through a cleansing process. And so the Jewish people, every time, before they could even come to worship God, would then be taken to a place of cleansing. Now, there's lots of cleansing rituals for our Jewish friends. I'll simply say this. There was a lot, and they all were purposeful, to show that how before God, you can't just come. He is God Almighty, God Almighty. Holiest of holies, he is the God of the universe. You need to remember that. And let's just start with a small thing such as cleansing yourself. In a lot of ways, boy, am I glad we don't have to do that, but in a lot of ways, don't we take for granted the time you get to enter into the presence of God? That we don't even think about the fact that when we come to prayer and enter into the presence of God, the fact that you're here right now, well, hopefully at least showered or cleansed something. Uh, But you went through no ceremony to come other than, you know, having your eggs in the morning, getting in a car and driving, right? A cup of coffee. You had nothing ritualistic you needed to do to prepare yourself for a moment of encountering God, but the Jewish people had to. So this pool called the mikvah was this time, and this was really popular, Second Temple, about 100 B.C. to 70 A.D. They'd come to these places for these cleansings. Now what's beautiful about this is that this was a ceremonially clean ritual i be being prepared, but John brings another spin to it. He's calling people to repent, not just clean up yourself to go back to the temple, to go back to sin again. He's calling people to turn away from the thing that is causing them to need to be cleansed. It was a completely different mindset. For us, it's like it makes sense, but not for them. Because for them, this turn was, you need to turn away from your life of sin and stop sinning. Now be cleansed. They were used to get cleansed. Okay, now I'm free from my sins and I get to worship, but I'll mess up again, therefore I have to be cleansed again. John is offering something new. And he's saying, I'm preparing the way for the Messiah to come. And Messiah, when he comes, he is going to baptize you completely different. He's going to baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. And now when the Messiah comes, when you're baptized, he's bringing all of God's power to you. And so it's not through baptism you get this. It's through the Messiah that you get this. All we're doing is getting you prepared. So baptism, as there's a get ready for the Messiah who is coming. So in walks Jesus. Hey, I need to get baptized. We don't have a mikvah. I don't need a mikvah. I want here. The problem is, is that Jesus had never sinned. So the repent whole part was very odd and can be confusing of why would Jesus have to repent? He didn't have to repent. That wasn't the purpose of it. The purpose of it, at the beginning of his ministry, shows the the, uh, people, this is what you are to do. And Jesus is actually casting forward the picture of what's about to happen to him. Because though he had no sin, when under the water is a representation of death, he was going to die and go to the tomb for three days. He was going to arise again and be alive. And water is always a picture of cleansing and the Spirit of God. And so you have this picture of Jesus going under the water, I'm going to die, I'm going to come alive again, and now you have eternal life. That's the beauty of the gospel. And so Jesus comes up to John. He's hey, let's do this. And he's like, there is no way. We have to. We have to. It is right. This is to fulfill righteousness. But the problem with the righteous part, which he said, he hadn't sinned. So John's baptism really wasn't for Jesus because he had nothing to repent of. It was for us. And it sets a word picture now in motion that now symbolized his ministry going forward. It's important to know this because sometimes there's some confusion depending on your background. There's beautiful backgrounds and beautiful stories. I'm going to speak today of why we baptize the way we do. We want to be in that word picture of what Jesus represented for us. Some, I was baptized as a child, many of you baptized as a child, many questions about that, and we do what we call here called believer's baptism, and this is why. Scripturally, we see that when there is a roundabout in life, when I turn from my sin, when I repent, when I admit I need a Savior, when Jesus Christ is that Savior, I now enter into the grave with Him and I come out with Him. And so when we baptize, we call believers baptism. And that's why we dunk you all the way under. Some people sprinkle, some people throw buckets, some people smash watermelons, right? There's all different versions of this. We take it, we put you all the way under, just like Jesus was in the Jordan. And we say, if I keep you here, you are dead. If you stay under this water, there's a lot of trust here, hey right, guys? If you stay under this water, life will end. But as Jesus was dead, so he comes alive So your old life is dead and a new life is here. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, you were dead, but now you are alive. And so when you go under, it's this beautiful word picture. Oftentimes when I share this with people and we talk about it, I talk about it like this. Think of this as your wedding day. You have a relationship, you are committed to people, but you have the day in which everything is a celebration and official. Salvation does not come through baptism. It doesn't come through that, because if salvation came through baptism, then we're diminishing the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I fear God too much to ever say anything diminishes the power of the cross. The cross alone saves. No works, no rituals, it's the cross alone. So now, if we're saved by grace, saved by Christ, now we have this beautiful ceremony, and we're going to celebrate like a wedding day. And in the same way, if you haven't been baptized, doesn't mean you're not saved, but I baptize everybody, and I love it, so I think you should do it next time. But that's a side note. But it doesn't mean you're not saved. You just haven't had your wedding day. Because if Jesus did it, you're called to do it. And the question comes up: why do we do this publicly? It's hard, right? Introverts are like, no, thank you, right? Here's the thing. When you tell your story, others hear the greatness of God. When people hear your story, and baptisms of Mosaic are a little different, maybe from what you've heard, we don't talk about your sinful past. Because if Nick got baptized again, we'd be here for five hours. We're not here for sinful pasts. We are here for the beauty of this. Because of the gospel, because of Jesus Christ, this is who I am. Your past is forgiven. Let's stop talking about our pasts. Because Jesus has forgiven us. However, we recognize there was brokenness I needed someone to save me, and I'm a new creation. Because when I take you and you go under and you come up, it's that beautiful word picture. You are a new creation creating God with a new purpose for his kingdom to go and make disciples. Listen to this. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says it best. You've heard it before from us up here, but I'm going to say it again because Jesus commands it. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is his last words before he leaves his disciples. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. He's making a statement to his disciples there, but the very end of age now includes you. So let me be very clear of the, the role that you have as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have an American tradition of bring your friends to church so your pastor can save them. That no longer works, and it never did work, and that's not biblical. Here's what's biblical. You are called to be a disciple maker, to go and make disciples. It's your job, and I'll help you. I'll get you water. You, as a disciple of Jesus, can baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And now you teach them everything that Jesus has taught, them, taught you. But if you're like, I don't know these things, that's why you're here. That's why we have growth groups. That's why we're a disciple-making church. That's why we're so passionate about people who are far from God. Because Matthew 28 gives us a command. This is your job. Your job is to make disciples. Have them go through and understand death to life. And from death to life, you teach them everything I've taught you. Pass it on. Yes, we do it in the context of church. And yes, this is right. I love Sunday gatherings. I'm super glad we're all part of this both here and online. But think about this. What if your job is to make disciples? Because it is. I just kind of ruined the story. It is your job. It's all of our jobs. It's our job. It gives you a purpose for living. So when those who get baptized who go from death to life, they also take on this code. I am called to follow the Lord God to make disciples and to help others on their journey. To me, that is way more exciting than sitting and listening to me talk. Now you come on Sunday gatherings to worship God, be in community, and you're listening, how can I learn, how can I grow because I need to help make disciples? What you learn today and what you learn can be talked about tomorrow morning at the water cooler. You are on mission by God to make disciples. That's the type of church we are. And to me, it's awesome. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.